Chapter Twenty Eight of Ronicky Dune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney, Idaho, USA. Ronicky Dune by Max Brand. Chapter Twenty Eight. Hope Deferred. Time in six months brought the year to the early spring. That time when even the mountain desert forgets its sternness for a month or two. Six months had not made Bill Gregg rich from his mine, but it had convinced him, on the contrary, that a man with a wife must have a sure income, even if it be a small one. He squatted on a small piece of land, gathered a little herd, and, having thrown up a four-room shack, he and Carolyn lived as happily as a king and a queen. Not that the domains were very large, but from their hut up on the hill they could look over the fine sweep of the country, which did not all belong to them, to be sure, but which they constantly promised themselves should one day be theirs. It was the dull period of the afternoon, the quiet, waiting period which comes between three and four o'clock and the sunset, and Bill and his wife sat in the shadow of the mighty silver spruce before their door. The great tree was really more of a home for them. Than the roof they had built to sleep under. Presently, Carolyn stood up and pointed. "She's coming," she said, and looking down the hillside, she smiled in anticipation. The rider below them, winding up the trail, looked up and waved. Then urged her horse to a full gallop for the short remnant of the distance before her. It was Ruth Tolliver who swung down from the saddle, laughing and joyous from the ride. A strangely changed Ruth she was. She had turned to a brown beauty in the wind and the sun of the west, a more buoyant and more graceful beauty. She had accepted none of the offers of John Mark, but leaving her old life entirely behind her, as Ronicky Doone had suggested, she went west to make her own living. With Carolyn and Bill Gregg, she had found a home, and her work was teaching the Valley School half a dozen miles away. Any mail? Bill asked, for she had passed the distant group of mailboxes on her way to the school. At that, the face of the girl darkened. One letter, she said, and I want you to read it aloud, Carolyn. Then we'll put our heads together and see if we can make out what it means. She handed the letter to Carolyn, who shook it out. It's from Ronicky, she exclaimed. It's from Ronicky, said Ruth Tolliver gravely, so gravely that the other two raised their heads and cast silent glances at her. Carolyn read aloud, "Dear Ruth." I figure that I am overdue back at Bill's by about a month, by two months," corrected Ruth soberly, "and I've got to apologize to them and you for being so late. Matter of fact, I started out right pronto to get back on time, but something turned up. You see, I went broke. Carolyn dropped the letter with an exclamation. "Do you think he's gone back to gambling, Ruth?" "No," said the girl. "He gave me his promise never to play for money again." And a promise from Ronicky Doone is as good as minted gold. It sure is," agreed Bill Gregg. Carolyn went on with the letter. I went broke because Pete Darnley was in a terrible hole, having fallen out with his old man, and Pete needed a lift, which of course I gave him pronto. Pete being a fine gent, there was an exclamation of impatience from Ruth Tolliver. Isn't that like Ronicky? Isn't that typical? I'm afraid it is," said the other girl with a touch of sadness. "Dear old Ronicky, but such a wild man." She continued in the reading. 
but I've got a scheme on now by which I'm sure I'll get a stake and come back, and then you and me can get married as soon as you feel like saying the word. The scheme is finding a lost mine. A lost mine? shouted Greg, his practical, miner's mind, revolting at this idea. My guns! Is Ronicky plumb nutty? That's all he's got to do, just find a lost mine? Well, if that ain't plenty, may I never see a yearling again. Find a lost mine, went on Carolyn, her voice trembling between tears and laughter, and sink a new shaft a couple of hundred feet to where the old vein. Sink a shaft a couple of hundred feet, said Bill Gregg. And him broke? Where'll he get the money to sink the shaft? When we begin to take out the pay dirt, went on Carolyn, I'll either come or send for you and. Hush up, said Bill Gregg softly. Carolyn looked up and saw the tears streaming down the face of Ruth Tolliver. I'm so sorry, poor dear, she whispered, going to the other girl. But Ruth Tolliver shook her head. I'm only crying, she said, because it's so delightfully and beautifully and terribly like Ronicky to write such a letter and tell of such plans. He's given away a lot of money to help some spendthrift, and now he's gone to get more by finding a lost mine. But do you see what it means, Carolyn? It means that he doesn't love me, really. Don't love you? asked Bill Gregg. Then he's a plumb fool. Why, hush, Bill, put in Carolyn. You mustn't say that, she added to Ruth. Of course you have reason to be sad about it, and angry too. Sad, perhaps, but not angry, said Ruth Tolliver. How could I ever be really angry with Ronicky? Hasn't he given me a chance to live a clean life? Hasn't he given me this big, free, open West to live in? And what would I do without Ronicky? What would have happened to me in New York? Oh, no, not angry. But I've simply waked up, Carolyn. I now see that Ronicky never cared particularly about me. He was simply in love with the danger of my position. As a matter of fact, I don't think he ever told me in so many words that he loved me. I simply took it for granted, because he did such things for me as even a man in love would not have done. After the danger and uniqueness were gone, Ronicky simply lost interest. Don't say such things, exclaimed Carolyn. It's true, said Ruth steadily. If he really wanted to come, well, did you ever hear of anything Ronicky wanted that he didn't get? Except money, suggested Bill Gregg. Well, he even gets that, but he mostly gives it away pretty pronto. He'd have come like a bullet from a gun if he really wanted me, said Ruth. No, the only way I can bring Ronicky is to surround myself with new dangers, terrible dangers, make myself a lost cause again. Then Ronicky would come laughing and singing, eager as ever. Oh, I think I know him. And what are you going to do? asked Carolyn. The only thing I can do, said the other girl, I'm going to wait. Far, far north, two horsemen came at the same time to a splitting of the trail they rode. The elder, bearded man pointed ahead. That's the roundabout way, he said, but it's sure the only safe way. We'll travel there, Ronicky, eh? Ronicky Doone lifted his head, and his bay mare lifted her head at the same instant. The two were strangely in touch with one another. I don't know, he said. I ain't heard of anybody taking the short cut for years, not since the big slide in the canyon. But I got a feelin' I'd sort of like to try it. Save a lot of time and give us a lot of fun. 
unless it breaks our necks. Sure, said Ronicky, but you don't enjoy having your neck safe and sound unless you take a chance of breaking it once in a while. End of chapter 28. This concludes Ronicky Dune by Max Brand. Read by Rowdy Delaney. Idaho, USA. April 2008.